This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the week 14 edition of the Utopia Football Podcast. Great to have you with us. Appreciate you downloading and sharing this with all your friends. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Mornings on Sports Radio 610. Joined as always by the Hall of Famer, my good friend John McClain, who is also our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GallerySports.com. John, how are we doing on this fine Tuesday as we record, Wednesday as this drops? Couldn't be better about life in general. The only good thing about the Texans is uh, we're getting closer to the end of the season. And what I expect to be, everybody expects to be massive changes in the coaching staff. Yeah, we got, as you can imagine, John, plenty of questions about that. Before we get into the mailbag, and by the way, if you want to send us a question, we had a nice spike in the number of questions we got. I didn't get through all of them. Uh, so if you did, we don't read yours, don't be discouraged. And don't let that uh, affect you wanting to send in other questions. They'll get used at some point. Um, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. That's H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, before we get into the mailbag, John, uh, as you and I are recording this, I was literally just in the car about a half hour ago and caught the back end of the news about John Robinson getting let go in Tennessee, the general manager of the Tennessee Titans, who of course is a, like Nick Casario, a Patriot heritage guy who um, had been the architect for some, some good Titan teams, but not any teams that have gotten over the hump. So John, as you break this down, you're going to be giving me my first breakdown of all this. All I've heard is that John Robinson is no longer the GM of the Titans go. I was on in the loop with uh, John Lopez and Landry locker when it came down Everybody was shocked. During the break, I went and talked to a couple of friends with the Titans. They were shocked. Amy Adams Strunk, who let John Robinson uh, make the decisions, but she signs off on the big ones, and she almost always signed off when they when they drafted Jeffrey Simmons in the first round. He wanted her, Mike Vrabel. I mean, he wanted him. Mike Vrabel wanted him, even though. He had hit a woman in college, but it turned out that woman was kicking his sister's butt. And they convinced her, we got to do it. He's a great player. He's not that kind of guy. And that turned into a great decision. And so it is an unbelievably unusual time to fire GM. GMs are getting ready for free agency, the draft. They're meeting with their scouts constantly. John was, I think, 24 games over 500 as a general manager. They've had, they got to an AFC championship game three years ago. Last year, they had best record in the AFC. They're going to run away 
with the AFC South, even though they've lost back-to-back games. And uh, he, Ryan Cowden, who'd been with him since 16, has been in the NFL for 23 years. He'll take over right now. He's uh, was their VP of personnel. And uh, uh, he's interviewed for two or three jobs for general manager around the NFL the last couple of years. But John built winners. He's had some players backfire in the draft. He doesn't take people Mike Vrabel doesn't want. You know, they worked together in uh, New England. And when Mike was hired, Mike was coming off a bad season as a Texans defensive coordinator in 2017. But John looked beyond that because he knew they had 22 players on injured reserve. And he knew Vrabel very well, turned out to be a great hire. And John will get a job. But what's interesting, he and Vrabel just signed contract extensions before the season. And people say, well, she's mad because he traded A.J. Brown. Well, she gave him that humongous contract extension after they traded A.J. Brown for one and a three because they didn't think they were going to pay him $25 million a year with Ryan Tannehill counting $39 million a year. So it's stunning to everybody. He ain't going to the poorhouse considering he was under contract no. through the draft in 2027. And he'll be like James Click. He'll land in somebody's front office, hoping over time he gets a chance to be a general manager again. And as someone I know, John, he did a charity charity events with me, but every year he was there to last year, and uh, and I like him, I respect him, I appreciated his work on behalf of the foundations that I represented, and I wish him the very best. So, John, a couple things with John Robinson. Um, one, has anybody spoken publicly from the Titans about this, like put out a statement or anything? Yeah, this- Amy Adams Strzok put out a long statement and just said the standards she has the team and blah, 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 and how she wishes John the very best because of his contributions, okay. the usual statement. Okay, gotcha. Because my, my, my gut reaction is that guy's done a pretty good job, it would appear. Yeah, the A.J. Brown trade, at least early on, I mean, it is still early, um, it appears to have backfired on them. Um, but my first reaction was, okay, is there something going on behind the scenes? You know, like, is there something that, you know, that he, that he did, you know, outside of football, you know, like, was there a, was there a, an HR issue or something like that? I mean, that's, that's how, that's how good a job I think he did is it shocked me. The timing shocks me for sure. As you said, especially that's a team that's getting ready for the playoffs. I mean, say what you will, maybe the GM is minimized at this stage of the year because really it's just waiver wire stuff. You're not doing a ton with the roster um, other than maybe making some pickups, practice squad, moving guys up and down, things like that. Um, but it's a distraction. There's no doubt, I would imagine, for a team that's making a, a postseason push. My other question for you, um, as I mentioned right out of the shoot, John Robinson is a guy with Patriot ties. Any chance he winds up with some role with the Texans? Not as the GM. But as you mentioned, James Click's going to wind up in somebody's front office and then be a GM again. John Robinson, you said same thing. Could the Texans be a landing spot for John Robinson? No, I have no idea what Nick Casario thinks about that. He's got James Lifford. James runs the personnel department. I don't think he'd be moving James out to get John you know, Ziegler, the GM at uh, – Las Vegas worked under Nick. Jason Light, GM at Tampa, worked with him under Nick. 
So there's a lot of the, these guys who worked under Nick. Maybe he reaches out and hires John for a front office position. I just don't know. Yeah. He might take a time off. And this is a really important time for general managers because it's all scouts are coming in constantly. Mm-hmm. They're meeting. They're going over the draft and free agency with the pro scouting department. So even though they don't have a lot to do uh, with the actual winning and losing right now, they're focused everything on the offseason. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, I, this is good news if you're in the AFC. I think it's because the Titans are going to go to the playoffs just because that division is so bad. Um, so that's a that's a team that at least there's some degree of distraction. All right, let's let's get into the uh, let's get into the mailbag, John. Um, I'm going to start with this one just because this is one other current event with the NFL. Gabriel and Kingwood sends in uh, just sent this in uh, this morning. Um, Baker Mayfield got released by the. Panthers so he's in the waiver wire right now by the time this this podcast drops Baker Mayfield probably gets awarded to an NFL team I I would guess um because I don't think he's going to make it through waivers but Gabriel wants to know where do you think the optimal landing spot is for Baker Mayfield and is there any chance the Texans would pick him up off the waiver wire Texans would be even dumber than you think they are to get Baker Mayfield. Why would they get him? He's not going to be quarterback next year. They're going to use their first pick in the draft on a quarterback. And uh, and he couldn't make it with Cleveland. He couldn't make it with Carolina. I'm guessing he'd go somewhere as a backup. You'd owe him over a million for the rest of the season. And uh, I do not think that he is in Texans plans. I'd be stunned. Wouldn't surprise me if he didn't clear waivers and then he negotiated a new contract for the last few games with a team playing a backup you know the 49ers did really well with uh Purdy. Brock Purdy Brock from Purdy, Iowa yeah. State who seemed like I watched him for 10 years playing against Baylor I was shocked Mr. Irrelevant uh played to throw two touchdown passes played really well to help them beat Miami and then they signed Josh Johnson who used to be here has been without like every team in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He's been in every but, league with every team. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would think that uh, Kyle Shanahan and Baker Mayfield would be something that they would be interested in. He didn't rule it out, yeah. but he was talking about, well, we're so far down in the claim process. So I just, I just don't see a team bringing him in as a backup for the rest of this season, unless they thought, well, you know, we might be able to use him next season. Here, John, here's where I'm at with with what I think would be an optimal situation for Baker, and I guess I'll put San Francisco into this mix, um, is that he had his most success in 2020 under Kevin Stefanski. So let's let's use that as the template that Stefanski is a Kubiak-Shanahan offense guy. I could see, and I think it would make sense, for one of these teams that's going to be a playoff team that runs that type of offense – to pick up Baker to have him in case your quarterback gets hurt. You know, I don't know who the backup is in Cincinnati to Joe Burrow, but Zach Taylor is a guy who's off of that Shanahan, McVay, you know, that whole quadrant of uh, of offensive systems. Pick him up and have him on the roster. You know, he, he's he's won games in the NFL before. I think Minnesota. Um, I don't know who Minnesota's backup is right now, but, but uh, Kevin O'Connell comes off of that tree. I think San Francisco, even if their intent isn't to start Baker Mayfield, at all. It would make sense to have him on the roster. He's better than Josh Johnson. That I know. He's better. Otherwise, Josh Johnson would be in the league, and he's not. So I, I do think that picking up Baker, because he has no say-so over where he goes. He can't pick out where he goes now. It's the time of year where he's he's in the waiver wire. Pick him up 
bring him in, see if his mind's right. Let him know, like, hey, you're, you know, especially if it's Cincinnati or Minnesota or a team like that. I'm just picking teams out of the top of my head here. Um, look, you're obviously not going to be the starter, but we're going to go to the postseason here. Man, if something happens to our quarterback, we'd rather have you starting. You know the system. You know the, the verbiage. You know things like that. We'd rather have you starting a game for us um, other than, than anybody else other than Kirk Cousins or other than Joe Burrow. Does that make sense? Sure, but uh, he's you know he's hoping he doesn't get claimed. He doesn't need the money, so he can pick where he goes. And uh, I would imagine he'd love to go some somewhere uh, that had a chance to go to the playoffs and go in there and be a good soldier. He didn't create any problems in Carolina like he did in Cleveland. But man, oh man, for the Panthers, just dump him at this time of the year. That's stunning too. Yeah. Baker and John Robinson need to go on a vacation to Cabo together somewhere. <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, all right, John. Uh, next one from the mailbag. You can email the mailbag, mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, Ryan Fish sends in, while it's been a terrible season, <clears throat> I don't know if Lovey is a one and done. Do you all think Lovey should find someone competent to run the offensive side of the ball, or do the Texans wipe out the entire coaching staff and hire a new coach? He mentions Eric Bieniemy. Put the enemy aside, John, for a second. Just focus on the question other than the enemy. Um, that would he Ryan's point is one that would incentivize Bryce. Would that incentivize Bryce Young to go pro? At this point, he might want to stay in college another year rather than play for the Texans. You and I have hashed that last part out plenty. Bryce Young's going to come out and he's going to go pro, even if the Texans are picking first in the draft. As of right now, John, which scenario do you think is more likely? One and done Lovey or Lovey with a new Offensive mind replacing Pep Hamilton. The only way that Lovey would have a chance to stay would to be retool the offense. Pep Hamilton has done a terrible job. He's he ruined Davis Mills, and their offense is just terrific. And uh, I don't think Lovey will get the job again. I think they'll clean house on the coaching staff because they continue to embarrass them. Now, Lovey, the defensive coordinator, they've given up three touchdowns in three weeks. One was on a three-yard drive. And uh, so they've started to play better, even though they haven't had Jonathan Grenard. They've had some injuries. Derek Stingley has been out a while. But they've given up a lot of yards, but they haven't given up a lot of touchdowns. And the name of the game is still points. And so I could see him keeping his job that way. But I think the only way Lovey would be back is he had a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator. But the problem with an offensive coordinator, why would you come here if you were good and play for a coach who could be fired in a year unless you thought maybe I got a chance to get that job? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's why I think Nick Casario – and I'm writing a column for Gallery Sports. 
Wednesday about how ridiculous it is for people to say Casario should be fired right now. And uh, and let Casario be the one to select who they may hire and who they want to interview. And McNair sit in on the interviews. I'll guarantee you they're not using a search firm anymore. They've done that the last two times and paid too much attention to the search firm and let Nick pick out who he wants and sign off on it. If it doesn't work, like the number one pick doesn't work, then fire Casario in a couple of years. John, do they pay attention to the search firm? They got Nick Casario in a – I mean, Nick landed here outside of the search firm, didn't he? Oh, uh, yeah. No, he didn't have anything to do with search firm. They tried to hire him two different times yeah. and been turned down both times going McCulley, back. McCulley and the last search were both very search firm driven for head coaches? Um, let's see. who They hired O'Brien because of the search firm yep, yep, over Lovey Smith. Yep. They hired Brian Gain, even though they were recommending him. And Cully was on the list, and they interviewed okay. David twice before he came for his interview. Yeah. And I remember just talking to him on Zoom. And Dave was a great guy with a lot yeah. of personality. I could see how he impressed them. But yeah, the search firm had him and I had a couple others. But uh I remember uh, for Jed Jed Hughes went public on some things about that. And I remember thinking, ooh, I ain't using his firm anymore. Yeah. Um, you don't need a firm. You got Casario. He knows everybody yeah. in the NFL and has I, for two dude, decades. You're preaching to the choir. These search firms are the biggest racket of all time. I, I'm, I, yeah. We should I, start one. Huh? We should start one. We should. John, with your contacts, we would be amazing. Hey, let Jed Hughes sit in on those interviews and ask questions yep. of people he recommended. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get to the next question, do you think the ship has sailed for Eric Bieniemy? It feels like the kind of the yeah, wind was out of his sail. He's, he's no, been. I'm not, he, talking, I'm not talking for the Texans. I'm just talking in general. As a head that coach. was for the last guy I asked about Bieniemy coming here. Yeah. Uh, that I don't think Bieniemy's ever going to get a head coaching job, and the reason is he's interviewed so many times, like Joe Espada, the Astros bench coach. Every offseason, he's interviewing. Two or three times he hadn't gotten a job. He's back here, which is good because he's love lovey. He's Dusty Baker's right hand man, and he's really good at his job. And I'm, I, for his sake, I wish he got a head coaching job because he obviously wants one. But I'm guessing he'll be the next manager after Dusty Baker uh, decides he wants to retire. Yeah, I'm guessing Eric Bieniemy won't be the next Chiefs head coach after Andy Reid decides to retire. Uh, I would certainly doubt it. Yeah. Um, Chris in the ATL, Chris in Atlanta. This is an interesting question, John. And this is on the heels, obviously, of Deshaun Watson having a, a just a career worst game. Just Deshaun was awful on Sunday. It was the worst game passer rating wise. It was the worst game of his career. Um, which Browns quarterback, Watson or Brissett, if you're a Texan fan, would you want to play the rest of the season? Obviously, with the intent being the Browns pick starts to creep up the draft board a little bit. I guess it's just a fancy way of asking, John, in these last five games of the year, who do you think the Browns would be better off starting if their goal is to win football games, Jacoby Brissett or Deshaun Watson? Well, they have to They have to play Watson. And you got to think this is the worst he has. But on the other hand, we didn't have any idea if it'd be one quarter, one game, one month, or next season. And after watching him, Sean, I'm starting to think it might be next season before they see him at his best because he's going to be playing outdoors. He's going to be in bad weather. He never had to do that here. All Plus, five games off. are outdoors the rest of the way. In December and January. 
and 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 there's not a bit going to be a February. And so I'm going to say they should want Watson to play based on what we saw where they're playing. The reason they're five and seven and they were four and seven. The problem wasn't Jacoby Brissett. He played as well as he possibly could and better than most expected. And what's good is if they ran Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt all the time, they might be winning some more games, but they have to let Watson throw. They have to let him do the things that made them want to give him $230 million guaranteed. And uh, and it's obvious he's going to struggle. And uh, the Texans did a good job against Amari Co- uh, Cooper. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he threw some bad passes in the dirt. I tell you what, you won't see many performances with two quarterbacks that bad in the same game playing indoors. Yeah. And somehow 41 points were scored. I know that 23 of them were scored by defenses and special teams in that game, but it's just those were if someone had just let you watch the highlights of the two quarterbacks, you know what I mean? And forget that you can see that the interception winds up in the, you know, it's a pick six. Just looking at their throws and, and looking at the stats, just look at the stats of the two quarterbacks. And someone told you the final score was 27 to 14 for that game. Those were two bad, bad quarterbacks, John. They were awful. I missed at one point. I said 27 13. Mm -hmm. And if you'd have told me before the game, Texans defense won't give up a touchdown, will they win? And I'd say, yeah, not because Kyle Allen or Pep Hamilton, they'll win because they kick a bunch of field goals. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, by the way, Chris in the ATL also says um, his slogan for the Texans future quarterback draft, uh, keep playing like dung for young. Play like dung for young. Mine is uh, wind. Th- uh, mine is win thrice draft Bryce. <laughs> I don't even think they're going to win thrice though, John. The best one of all time to me is simple. Suck for luck. Suck for luck. Actually, what, why am I getting cute with thrice? Win twice draft Bryce. There you go. Because I do want them to beat now that now that the Cleveland game's in the rear view, because that was the one game I did really want them to win. Um, beating the Cowboys this weekend would be kind of fun, I suppose. I just don't think there's any chance in the world it happens. <laughs> I do want to keep the streak going against Jacksonville. I do like having that hanging over Jacksonville's head, this nine-game winning streak. Because it just, John, it looks so silly on the graphics that they put on some of these games where one team has a long winning streak over another team. I there there are longer winning streaks out there than the Texans nine game winning streak over the Jags. I forget with who, but just Patriots over the Jets 14. Yeah, Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Current winning streaks um, of one team. Oh, you're right. Most years, it's just the Patriots over every other team in that division. Um, But yeah, like the Packers had one over the Lions or something like that or over the Bears. And you know how they show like the four longest streaks. And usually the first three are really good teams. And then there's the Texans sitting there beating up on the Jags. I just like. I don't want that graphic to go away, John. I want that. I want that graphic to live for at least another year, if not longer. Um, Two weeks one. ago, we would have said there's no chance. Trevor Lawrence looked great. They won. 
Then everybody says the Jags are back, and then they stink it up again. You never know which team is going to show up here. But, my God, they got Texans got to go back to Davis Mills. He is, they put it like this, less bad yeah. than Kyle Allen. I know, and I can't believe our take was, well, at least it's going to be watchable now without Davis Mills. No, no, they both suck. It's not going to be real watchable with either one. It's just going to be less unwatchable with Davis Mills. Hey, by the way, John, my for real or Fugazi from last week, one of the ones I had, remember when I said the four and seven Jags play the four and seven Lions for real or Fugazi, whoever wins that game, people are going to talk about, hey, maybe this team has turned the corner. They are saying that about the Lions this week. They are favored against the Vikings, John. And watch them end up falling flat on their face. Oh, John, they'll lose by four touchdowns, but that's <laughs> just what they're saying this week about the Lions. Absolutely. All right, let's get to uh, Derwin and Cypress who you will meet tonight, John, at the uh, Yellow Rose uh, Distillery. For Good, a, I'm looking for forward to it. Gathering, yeah, yeah, he'll be there. He's he's one of the uh, he's one of the contest winners. Um, over or under, okay, the first one's a funny question. Um, over or under on the number of massage sack celebrations by Cleveland Brown opposing defenders, uh, defenders going against Deshaun Watson. Do you think that there's a player out there, John, who would have the moxie to do some sort of massage celebration when they sacked Deshaun Watson? No, because they get fined because there's no, you can't make jokes about something like that that was so bad for a bunch of women. Yeah, no, that's true. I feel bad for asking the question now. Um, do you think, okay, this is a serious question. Um, do you think if the Texans went after Sean Payton and gave him Belichick level power, A, Casario would stay, B, Peyton would have to be the man. I already know the answer to that one. Well, Peyton had total control, and he's let people know he wants total control, and he wants to go where he has a really good quarterback and has a chance to win, and that would not be here. Yeah. Plus, you have to – if if John Gruden costs two ones, two twos, and eight million, what is Sean Peyton going to cost? People think, oh, you just give up a number one for him. That's right. Why would the Saints take just a number one? Yeah. I think, you know, John, as long as we're talking about this, and, I, and I'm with you, I don't think Nick Casario is getting fired. That said, if something were to happen with Nick Casario, I think the only – I think it is going to be like the – if something were to happen, it would be like the nuclear option where it is like one of these czar-type coaches. Like I think Jim Harbaugh, if Jim Harbaugh were to come back from Michigan to the NFL, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to want that level of power wherever he goes um, because of you know, he's got a good resume in the NFL. He's got a great gig at Michigan. He doesn't need to leave Michigan. He's got, you know, he, he might win a national championship this year. I'm trying, but I was trying to rack my brain and go, okay, who are the, who are the nuclear option candidates out there? Not just for the Texans, but for other teams, Sean Payton, if a team wanted to trade for him, Jim Harbaugh, I think fits that category. You may agree or disagree. Are there any others out there that are available or at least that could be available that, that are, you know, head coaches, but head coaches that want the whole ball of wax. I I haven't thought about that because I know it's not going to happen here. And uh, um, Mickey Loomis is the GM at uh, New Orleans, and Mickey yeah. was a cap guy. And a head coach who has files say he doesn't have time to scout and all that. He's got to have a really good personnel department, and he's got to have a GM. And I was always amazed. Same thing in – San Francisco. Well, John, you know, John Lynch drafted this. John Lynch drafted that. No, he didn't. Kyle Shanahan has it in his contract. He has final say on all personnel. A lot of coaches do, but they still have a GM, and they don't care if that guy gets the credit. But Sean Payton would have to have final say. Nick Serio has it in his contract. He has to have final say. That's why he came here. 
So I think if they did get somebody like that, they would have to buy off Nick, buy him yeah. out, and yep. then let him go. But Sean Payton's not coming here. He's I think no. he's going to Denver because they got more, and they'll make him the highest paid coach in history. And then he'll he can keep George Payton if he wants as the GM. He was the right hand personnel guy forever under Rick Spielman in Minnesota, so he's used to not having final say. That just makes too much sense. Dallas, I've always thought Cowboys have stockpiled a lot of good talent with Will McClay as their personnel head who's had chances to leave and didn't. So we're guessing Jerry Jones pays him a whole lot of money. And Jerry has to approve everything. But he loves Sean Payton. Would he give it up for Sean Payton? Or would Sean Payton say, hey, Jerry, you know, you'll do what I want. You can still have final say. I remember Parcells didn't have it. He had it everywhere else, but he took that Dallas job without final say. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I don't know where he'll end up, but Denver, the other one people talk about is Chargers. They think Brandon Staley, after three years, they don't make the playoffs, that he's out and giving him a chance to go to L.A. and quarterback Justin Herbert with a team with a lot of talent. That would be more enticing going to Denver where you have an aging Russell Wilson. You don't have first and second round picks for two years. John, how would Denver go about getting Sean Payton? As you just pointed out, the, you know, the, there'd have to be a trade because he's under contract to the Saints. The Broncos traded everything away to get Russell Wilson already. You can go three years ahead. They'd have to do that or they'd have to trade defensive players because their defense is great. You know, they they score fewer than the Texans. The only team scores fewer than the Texans is Denver. But the Texans are minus 99 on point differential. And the I think the Broncos are like minus 14 because yeah. of their defense. Yeah. That, man, I if I'm Sean Payton, God, I I don't know if I want the Denver job, John. Like if we, okay, if it's not draft, it would be a money. It would be a money thing from the Walmart people. Yeah, but you're not winning there. I, I, I'm guessing the guy wants to win. I, I well, think, I'm thinking every coach thinks he's going to win. Yeah, yeah, we all think they're going to win. Yeah, no, I just I I think he's set up for failure there, especially if, if he got a ten year contract and you pay him about twenty million a year. Yeah, and uh, you pay him baseball money. I don't. I think coaches think they're so good that they can win, but I think Chargers be would be much more appealing. Yeah, he'd he'd be he'd be wrong in Denver, I think. And remember, early in the year on TV, he said what they should be doing with Russell Wilson got a lot of attention. It's not what they're doing with Russell Wilson, but a lot of people in Denver took note of that. Would it be different if he were coaching Wilson instead of uh, Hackett? Yep. Uh, John, we got one from uh, London, England. Alex is a Texan fan over in London, England. We appreciate the email, Alex. Uh, says, I know it's too early to be calling the 2022 draft picks bust, but the early returns suggest that Casario may have missed on Stingley and Green, especially compared to other players available in the draft. Given this and the embarrassing disarray of the franchise more generally, what is our trust level of Nick Casario to guide us through the next couple of drafts with all that valuable draft capital? What's your trust level of Casario drafting players right now? With John? all due respect to someone who's covered the NFL for over 45 years, mm -hmm. anybody that tries to say somebody's a bust as a rookie is, is 
uh, clueless, let me put it nicely. I've seen guys their third year before they developed into Pro Bowl players. They had to go with another team. So you Stingley, Stingley's been one of the best rookies in the league. He just doesn't get a lot of interceptions because when he plays, he's playing a lot of zone, and they don't throw at him a lot. Anytime I see guys with a lot of interceptions and a lot of passes defense, tells me they're throwing at him a lot. And Stingley, if you watch that rookie watch, they put every week what he has when he plays. He's been really good. He hadn't given up a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I don't know why people keep – because they keep publicizing Sauce Gardner so well. Yeah, yeah. And the Jets are winning and they'd be in the playoffs right now. He's going to he's gonna end up being defensive rookie of the year because of all the attention he's getting. And then Kenyon Green, he started off really well. Now, all of a sudden, he goes up against big-time defensive tackles and he gets worked over. Well, that doesn't mean he's going to get worked over the rest of his career. So mm-hmm. I told this Landry and John this morning, where I sit now in the press box is next to NFL scouts. And some of them I know a little bit. And I talked to them off the record. And it, all of them said they were really impressed with the Texans draft this year. And, uh, and, and, uh, of course, you can't see anything about last year when you didn't have your first two picks. But anyway, I'm writing about Casario and all this on, uh, or gallerysports.com tomorrow. And it's free, free, free. Okay. There you go. Um, John Matthew Kaseki says, um, do you think that Cal McNair is still paranoid about being called Patriot South? He was so adamant about that. He led the same intro press conference. Uh, the led, led the Casario introductory press conference with it. Is it possible that's why McDaniels and Mayo didn't get interviews the last time around? I think back to John, you saying so emphatically, Josh McDaniels will not be the Texans' next head coach. Sort of sounds like a guy whose source is the one cutting the checks, but it wasn't just McDaniels. Remember Schefter saying Gerard Mayo would emerge as a candidate and he didn't even get an interview. I, where, where do you think the Texans are at right now, John, with the uh, – there, there was clearly some sensitivity to that at, at one point because Cal McNair mentioned it proactively without even being asked about it the day that the, Nick Casario was introduced. Do you think Nick's presence in the building has increased, decreased, or had no effect on the sensitivity to being called Patriots South? It had, the only time it had any sensitivity was when he was hired and they had Easterby. Uh, is the right-hand man who had just had, whose power was growing. He came from the Patriots, and we were all calling it Patriot South. I say it's the Patriot way because the way they operate is the way the Patriots operate, and, and secrecy, shrouded in secrecy, and, uh, and, and, and uh, what's the word, not intimidated, paranoid about the media, and uh, kind of like the Kremlin. And that comes from Casario being in New England. He doesn't know any other way to go about his business. But no, I thought Mayo would be a candidate because Easterby loved him. Easterby asked me when I was covering a team and he was interim GM if I'd do a story on Mayo. I said, mm. why? He's a linebacker's inside linebacker's coach. He's because I think he's going to be uh, a, a coaching candidate, be real good. And I said, no. And I didn't. That okay. I remembered back and threw his name in all the lists. And the reason I said Josh McDaniels, I was told by a good source, he would not be there. I also was surprised when they didn't interview Brian Dable. He and he and Nick had worked together two different times as the same agent, Bob Lamont, but they never interviewed him. So obviously there was a problem with one of them with the other. 
and uh, he's doing pretty good with the Giants. But that thing about the Patriots South, nobody over there talks about that anymore, even though James Lipford, who is a well-respected personnel guy who runs personnel under Casario, is another New England guy. All right, last one, John, and then uh, then we'll get out of here. Um, uh, Joe Q brings up a uh, bring a kind of a, I guess, just a question that leads into the ultimate question here. He said, "Wasn't there a link between the Brian Flores lawsuit and the Texans hiring Lovey Flores filing the lawsuit on February first and February fourth? The Texans pivot to Lovey. Um, the uh, uh, Josh McCown." Uh, they pivot abruptly from Josh McCown and hire Lovey, who in turn hires Pep. The next day, John McClain screams from the rooftops, Lovey can go 0-17 and no way he gets fired. How can we move on from Lovey and Pep after one year, given the lawsuit? Well, first of all, they don't care about that lawsuit. They went to Lovey because he was on the staff as associate head coach. He was helping them with a coaching search, vetting candidates for them before they interviewed him because he had so many connections. And and the McCown thing, which was driven by Easterby, and I still don't know how uh, Casario bought into that because it was so radical. And Nick says publicly they never were that close to hiring him, but I know he and his family were ready to go. And then I don't know what role Flores' lawsuit had to do with it, and I thought there's no way Lovey would be another one and done coach, but also never thought they'd go one fifteen. Was it one sixteen? One fifteen and one. Yeah, which is where I think they're headed. I never thought they would be so bad they would embarrass themselves and the organization and the city every week. And I never had any idea Pep Hamilton would be so bad as a coordinator and a play caller. And Lovey gave him total control of the offense. And so that's why I think they're going to fire everybody. They like Lovey. They they don't want to fire him. But sometime, I remember Bob McNair told me he didn't want to fire Dom Capers. Right. And they went 4-12, and 12 and he had to because you've got to be able to sell your franchise and sell tickets and sponsorships and suites and club suite, seats and all that. And I don't even – I thought for the longest time that they would get an offensive coach. But as I mentioned earlier – what really good offensive coach and play caller would come here? Yeah, when you got a head coach could be gone after a season, he could be out of a job. Yep, I I think what it boils down to, John. I I, I understand. I, I hear a lot of people saying that. Um, what Joe is talking about when Lovey got hired. Okay, well that's the safest head coach in the league. There's no way the Texans want to go back to back one and done and back to back one and done with minority head coaches, given the sensitivity of that around the league. I think this is an indicator of just how bad this team has been this year and how badly coached they've been this year is that the people covering this team outside of Houston who would normally be pointing things like that out, like the Texans can't do that because of the Rooney rule and things like that, they're not even saying that. Like they're conceding that the Texans are going to be in the market for a new head coach. Like there's, there is zero debate and discussion when you read an article about coaches on the hot seat there's, I don't see any that mention the racial element of the decision that, that's going to be made at the end of the season. None. That's how bad it's been. Like people look at it and they go, this is just a really forget about the color of the coach's skin. This is a, this is an indefensible product to put on the field. They may not be doing it now, but I'll guarantee you when the time comes, you'll see a lot of that. Instead of getting credit for having three consecutive minority coaches, counting Romeo Cornell as an interim, 
they'll be blasted for firing two of them in back-to-back seasons when other teams have never hired a minority. Yeah. And there's going to be good minority candidates out there. And the one I'd like to see, and I think a lot of people would be behind him would be D'Amico Ryans. Yeah. And uh, D'Amico has been a coordinator for two years. He's not going to come in and demand control of personnel like Kyle Shanahan could do because of how long he'd been in the NFL and his background. And D'Amico being such a good guy, I think would be able to work with a personnel guy like uh, Nick Casario and would welcome that kind of experience. John, what do you got going on? I know your various uh, outlets and platforms out there. Yeah, Richard Justice and I both wrote Verlander columns for Calgary Sports that are on the homepage. They wanted two perspectives of what we thought about it and where the Astros go. I've got uh, observations on Texans, uh, what's going on off the field, what uh, could happen on the field against, not could happen, what will on the field uh, for the Cowboy game. That'll be posted uh, in the morning on sportsradio610.com. John, my contention is Justin Verlander is the greatest pitcher in Astros history. What is your contention along those lines? Who boy. I was thinking the other day, based on he was here for 19. The end, he was 5-0 and at the end of 17. Yep. He was here in 18 and 19 and 22. And in his short, short period here compared to how long he was in the Tigers. There's never been anybody better. Uh, you know, there've been some guys, Mike Scott, Roy Oswald, one of my all-time favorites, my first all-time favorite, Turk Farrell. And, but I think Verlander dominated like nobody. I wish yeah. he and Cole could have stayed together a few years, see if they could be one and two Cy Young voting and win 20 games together every year. Yeah, I, I just, I, it's, I mean, the body of work, the three full seasons he played, you know, the seasons that he began began and ended on the active roster, 18, 19, and 22, the guy was the should-have-been Cy Young Award winner in 18 and did win the Cy Young in 19 and in 22. And, John, if you go find the Astros' rankings for various stats, obviously the counting stats, he's not near the top because he was only here for, you know, th- three-plus seasons you know, wins and things like, you know, number of strikeouts, things like that. But all the stats that are per nine innings, percentages, you know, things like that, things that are they're done on a percentage basis, he leads in all those things. All of, all of them except for strikeouts per nine innings, he's number two behind Billy Wagner, who might be number one all time for all I know. Like Billy Wagner is, is you know, he's, he had over 12 Push strikeouts. You, who should be in all of fame. Of course, yeah. Roger Clements could still – pitch when he finished the end of his career, but nobody has been like Verlander. I met nope. Verlander. I remember after the World Series, uh, MLB Network people put Kate Upton on, and she was talking about she wouldn't want to be in a city where the fans booed the home players. She's mm. talking about Philadelphia. And I'm thinking, yeah, money will money will override a concern like yeah. that because they'll certainly boo him in New York if he doesn't pitch like he pitched here, which was fantastic. Well, they'll boo somebody. You know, I mean, he he'll probably pitch well enough he doesn't get booed. But if she doesn't just doesn't like the home team getting booed, she better buckle up. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to be a long couple of years, I, w- I would guess. But uh, we'll see about that. Well, good, John. I look forward to reading that uh, that article, that column that you uh, that you talked about there. A reminder: if you want to send in a question for next week, H O U mailbag 
at gmail.com. Uh, download, subscribe, share this podcast. We really appreciate the support that we've been getting through a really, really tough Texan season. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to each and every one of you on the various platforms. And we are done. We'll be back tomorrow with a preview of Week 14 Texans and the Cowboys in Arlington this weekend. So until then, he is John McClain. I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you all tomorrow for the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast.